Hey there, my name's Chris Rivers. I want to thank you for joining us on the Culture Bus Tools podcast. I've got my good friend, Chad Merrill. Chad, how you doing today? I'm doing so good. Thanks for having me, man. It's awesome to be on here. I'm so excited about how this is all turning out. Yeah, man, we've had a lot of fun. And for those who listen regularly, welcome. We're glad you're here. For those of you who are new to the podcast, just so that you're aware, in each episode, we explore leadership and ministry strategies that help increase our capacity to be more effective with others. And for the last seven episodes, we've been focusing on the Archibus series, which is a process you and your tribe can implement to help Christ followers recognize the importance of personal ministry and how to live that out. We have discussed things like the difference between mission and ministry. We've tried to provide some clarity and context into what personal ministry looks like. And throughout the entire series, we've been using the book of Colossians to help us think about how we are uniquely positioned to reach and disciple others. So for those of you who are new, you can certainly pause this episode. You can check out episode 27, where we kick this whole idea off. And in each following episode, we've been focusing on a section of Colossians and have provided a stretch assignment for implementation. And you can do that on your own, or you can do that with a team. So today we're going to be focusing on Colossians chapter three, verses 18 through 25. But before we jump in, Chad, is there anything from the previous episodes that you've liked best and want to remind our listeners about before we get started? Yeah, man, last night we had uh, 10 of us in my living room for D group and I, I was quoting Robbie Richards from, from episode 27. You know, it's really, there, there's a shift that has to happen in us. That's really tough. We, we start thinking we have to be uh, spiritually elite or, or we have to increase our expertise hmm. to have a ministry of discipleship. And, I just thought it was genius the way he, he diffused all that in episode 27. He said, man, the simple question to ask is, how do I love the person who's right in front of me? Yeah. And, uh, that's kind of the starting place of all of this. And then, of course, I was, I was really proud. You know, we're trying to model discipleship and how we lead our staff. It was fun for me to give a couple of my guys an opportunity to be on here with you, Chris. So thank you yep. for having them. Yep. So Cody Baxter on episode 33 and Jericho on 35, just to hear them, how what we're walking through as a church is impacting them personally, not just yep. as staff members, but as men of God, and to just hear them articulate some things that are helpful for the kingdom. Man, I just, those three are probably my favorite, and I wasn't on any of them, so maybe, yeah. maybe you need to have them on more. I don't know. Yeah, they, they had some great things to share with us, and I love their vulnerability and transparency. It's been a good series, and it's stretched and challenged me a ton. As we dive in today, we're focusing on Colossians chapter 3, verses 18 through 25. And the key verse in here has been verses 24 through 25, and that's whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men you're serving the Lord. That was kind of the big, big principle behind this one devotion that we originally talked about in Project 417. We talked about that in episode 28. That's when you and I started chatting about this series. In that devotion, you focused in on this. What were some of the big key ideas that you were hoping to help your congregation get from this reading and then just from some of the devotion? When I read this chapter, Old Paul, he gets really personal right here. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's super easy to sit back and to acknowledge and affirm and head nod. Oh, yeah, people should do that. People should do that. I should do that. I should yeah. I should put Christ first. I should 
love the people in front of me. I should um, walk in in a manner worthy of the Lord. Those guys, those are good ideas. And then he comes right on into the kitchen where, you know how when you have guests in your house and you and your wife need to have what's called a discussion. Yeah. You kind of leave the living room and you go back into the kitchen or yeah. into another room. And he just comes on back in there and starts talking about like, Hey, this, this is not just some idea. This is, this is what is supposed to consume your life. And so yeah. even, even the mundane day to day things, even the, 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 the tension filled discussions and relationships, even things you wish were wildly different about your life. Like those things too, you need to do as unto the Lord, like all things yeah. unto the Lord, even, even that stuff in the back room, even that stuff that's, um, you know, sometimes we just, we, we, even the stuff that kind of we blame on other people, you know, how relationships go or how we interact. And this was just the place where for me, walking through Colossians, he just got personal. Yeah. And uh, it forced me to really think, like, how do I react to my wife? You know, yeah. what, what would my posture be if I found myself as a bond servant, you know, literally enslaved? You know, would I would I be able to to prioritize Jesus before all things like Colossians 117 to the point that I could even live in those circumstances or the heat of the moment in such a way? as to work heartily for yeah. the Lord, not for men, remembering that I'm serving the Lord uh, in the most personal, most tension-filled moment. That's, I just, even in answering your question, I find myself pondering that even even more than being definitive. Yeah. I think for me, two words kind of stand out to me as I reflect on this text. In Colossians, Paul is talking to wives He's talking to husbands, he's talking to children, he's talking to slaves, and he's giving them some direction in this way that we love others. Like, And so I, these two words that stand out to me are the idea of macro and micro. And oftentimes we look at the things that we're doing at our work as macro. That's the big important stuff. And our family, our wives, our, our children, like that's, that's the micro stuff which actually it's almost reversed. Really, our family is the macro. That is the most important thing for us to be able to lead our family well. I mean, I'm talking about me, Chris Rivers here. For me to be able to lead my wife and to lead my kids and to be help create direction and be a shade and a blessing for them, to do personal ministry in my home, that's macro stuff. That's not micro stuff. And so I think sometimes I can get those things turned around a bit. Any thoughts there? Yeah, I think you're dead on. I mean, the the whole the whole tenant uh, the the whole um, tone of this the series of podcasts we're doing, the devotion that we did here at our church through Colossians, is about finding your personal ministry of discipleship within the mission of God. And so, mm-hmm. to be a disciple maker, we have to be disciples. Everything about discipleship is a call to maturity. Yes. And so, I, I just think about it's really easy. To, to put on a false maturity in front of people who really don't know us yeah. or don't have proximity and access to our lives. But here he's like, no, I mean, in front of your wife, in front of the people that know how your breath smells in the morning, <laughs> like the people who have seen you lose, lose a shoe in the morning and how you act when you're rushing out the door and you can't find your left shoe. You know that? These kind of things, he's saying, man, true maturity, someone who's truly growing in Christ likeness, in putting Christ first, in 
having that kingdom mindset, that, that disciple who makes disciples kind of mindset, they're, they're maturing even in the things that maybe aren't seen outside the world, by the world. And so we tend to sometimes elevate the guys up at the front of the church, right? Yeah, I greatly admire Matt and Bill who do the, the teaching and preaching at, at Grace Church there where you are. I greatly admire those guys. They're phenomenal leaders. They've led a, a great church and organization. They're, they're good teachers of the word. They're faithful. And, uh, and sometimes I forget that they have to, in the moment, choose Christ-likeness when they stub their toe. And they have to navigate tensions with their wives and children, just like I do, just like you yep. do. Yep. I think that's where Paul's getting to is that this is this is not one more thing. It's actually who you are, yeah, where you already are in the posture of for Christ, not for you. And I think that's just that's just it. We tend to make discipleship one more thing, hmm. but true maturity is no. We we take Christ wherever we go mm-hmm. because we are being made into something new because of Him, and so whatever we walk into. We, we go in with a new posture as a follower of him, as someone being changed by him and not someone who's entitled uh, to a different response from other people. Yeah. And so we remember our brokenness and we remember that we're being sanctified and, and we're to, uh, to in that moment, just offer that up. Mm-hmm. God, I don't like how my wife's talking to me right now, but I know that what I do next will honor you or not. Yeah. Um, there's no there's no such thing as the, the mundane generic reactions or actions. They're all to be calibrated to, especially in the context of relationship, be calibrated to what does what would I do that honors the Lord yeah. uh, over honors myself. I think that's really it. I think uh, it's kind of a reframing of daily life to just keep Christ at the forefront of our minds, right? Yeah, that's right. I think the Lord has given us a great opportunity for those of us that are married, for those of us that have children. This is this is challenging. It's a challenging world to live in in this season of of life. If you have kids and you're mm-hmm. uh, and you're married, um, for those that are single, you know they they might not experience this. But I do think Paul does talk about slaves obeying their masters, which I think in this context could be if you could replace slaves with employees and masters, bosses, if you could look at that type of relationship. But I mean, Paul's really clear here with the way that, that we should interact with one another. And you talked about in episode 32, we talked about discovering the people in our life that were uniquely positioned to reach and disciple. And so for those of us that are married and, and have kids, like those are the people, like those are the people first that are in our first ripple, so to say, that we can that we can impact. So I think that there's some real great language here for us to to connect with that you said earlier about loving one another well. So what were some things like even in your D group last night, your discipleship group, what were some things that you guys were able to connect with in terms of some of this stuff? Yeah, I think maturity brings out integrity, maybe. Um, yeah. I think what Paul's saying is, hey, do you have integrity in how you follow Christ? And Paul is in no way condoning the owning of people. That's right. Or or telling people who are finding themselves in that situation to get over it. He's not doing that at all. He's just seeing that his role here is in light of the gospel, even in the worst case scenario of having your rights removed and those kind of things, you still have integrity of the faith. And, and does your life 
give evidence to that because you don't know that, that the sovereignty of God may have had them in that position so that the master sees what faithful life looks like or yeah. or, or vice versa that, that, that the wife who uh, feels like her husband is is not leading her well that he's calling her to you know do do what the Lord says here and live faithfully in front of him kind of like I think it's first Peter two or three he talks about the, the the woman of faith living faithfully in front of her husband that he may be converted and just look for ways to let to love him enough to let him lead, right? And so, yeah. none none of this is to be taken out of context of the fullness of Scripture. And we know that Scripture tells us over and over uh, that we are um, all made in the image of Christ, and none is more worthy than another. We, we we see that that husbands are supposed to treat their wives well, not domineering ways, those kind of things. Yeah, I think he's just coming in and saying, hey, even if you wish things were different. Mm you have an opportunity to live with integrity that shows you are who you say you are and you don't know what a difference that could make hmm. you just think of guys like uh, uh dietrich bonhoeffer we still talk about that guy all the time partly because he was wrongly in prison he was persecuted for his faith and he remained faithful hmm. uh, paul the guy writing this letter knows something about imprisonment and about being treated unfairly, and he continued to leverage his life and, and to share his faith with anyone who was around him. So if anybody could say these things credibility, it was him, mm. because he was living a life of integrity that he had been changed by the gospel, and he had been growing in that new life and maturing to the point that now all of his life was lived out of the, out of the truth that he was, he was centered on others, the well-being of others, how to love others, and how to honor God. And I think what you're seeing in this passage is the tension, the pull of discipleship that, that Paul's saying, hey, you've learned a lot. Keep on coming because this thing really looks compelling and it really takes root when the integrity of your life is shown in the maturity of your faith, mm. even in the hard things. Mm. And um, man, like, have you ever, Chris, have you ever met someone and you, you thought they were cool and then you maybe go on a work trip or something and you realize, well, this guy's not at all who I thought he was. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I had a boss one time years ago and I think it's safe to tell it because it's a long, long time ago, but he was an amazing guy, dynamic guy. looked like a family man. You know, he was, he had invested in me personally and mm. we were both way too young to be in the positions we were in, but we were, we were doing well. And we would go on these business trips and, and he would turn into this like totally different guy. It was like we did work during the day and he was a frat boy at night, you know, and it was um, it was disturbing in a way. I had to put up some boundaries in my life when I traveled with him because I didn't want my integrity or or my uh, relationships to be compromised because I was with him when he was making some of these choices. Yeah. And, and that, that's Paul. Paul saying, hey, there's way more at stake here than your reputation. You carry Christ. And so do all things. Uh, as worthy of him do all yeah. things for his honor you're serving him mm. what you do represents him don't give people an excuse to to find fault with him when it's really you mm. wow in these stretch assignments that we've been working through after each episode to implement some of the principles that we've shared i know in episode 30 we introduced the first stretch assignment that talked about the spaces and those were 
the family space, the farm space, the faith space, and the fun space. And so the family were people in your family, the farm were people that you work with, the faith were people that you worship with, and the fun were people like you might have hobbies with. And so we challenge people to commit to a person in one of those spaces that they would be on the hook for. And I love how I know Paul, he, he's really kind of talking about the family here, but I think that there's, it's a great reminder for us to, to go back to that spaces tool that we've made and maybe to evaluate, does my life at home show an increasing effect of the Lordship of Jesus in my life? And then did the people in those spaces do they know that, that Jesus is truly first in my life? I mean, I think that's probably a good exercise to go back and revisit because it, it helps us re-envision and, and really evaluate where we are and how we're doing. This idea of integrity, this idea of faithfulness. And I think that's what I'm hearing as I'm looking at this passage, that that's what I need to do. I need to evaluate that through that lens. I think that's exactly right, actually, Chris. And I'm thinking of right now in my mind just about some of the pastors I get to do life with, I get to coach pastors a lot, especially church planters and replanters. Yeah. And uh, I get asked a question a lot, especially from guys in the Bible Belt, where there's kind of a stigma around the role of pastor. Yeah. They'll say, how, how do I get to do what I'm asking my people to do? Like, how do I get to meet lost people and share the gospel with lost people? Because a lot of people can treat me different when I, because I'm a pastor. And so I, I tell them that, Remember the qualifications of an elder. Hmm. Uh, you're the elder, the first qualification in First Timothy three is, "Do you aspire to be one?" And then, then it asks, "Who you are at home?" Right? Do you want to lead in the church? Who are you at home? Do, do you honor your wife? Do you uh, raise up children that honor you? Those kind of things. And I think really it ends up being as simple as this, Chris. I'll tell these pastors, and and, and I think it's good advice for any Christ follower, not just pastors. Your faith is most compelling when people see you and you're the same you at a football game, at the gas station, at church, at the post office, at your job, to the glory of God. Yeah. I think that's it. When, when they start seeing it as something we put on when it's time to go to church or when it's time to be around church people, mm. it just looks like, it just looks fake. It doesn't look compelling at all. Yeah. But when they're watching us being changed, when they're watching us being honest about our struggles, when we're able to be transparent and authentic because it's Christ in us, then we're really quick to admit our faults and to exalt the gospel and to exalt Jesus yeah. rather than pretend that it's us. It's integrity. It's maturity. It's compelling. And yeah. it probably unlocks the opportunity to share our faith with a lot of people. Mm. Man, that's good. What's been so good about this series for me is recognizing the difference between mission and ministry. So ministry is this idea of the disciple making process, disciples making disciples. That's the call that I've been given. And then the ministry is in in a church space. It might be a, a ministry like guest services team, or maybe you're a community group leader. But for me, for when we think about personal ministry, we think about this just getting involved in people's life. And so we put these spaces together. But I feel like what you're saying that's been really helpful and it's given me context is that there's kind of, if we drew a line in the sand and we said over here on this side of the sand, we've got our family. We've got the people that we live with in our life. So for me, this would be Rachel. These would be my kids. And then on the left side of the sand is what I do. And, and that might be a career 
right? It might be my job here at Grace or the work that I do at Culture Bus or whatever the case may be. But the stuff that's on the right-hand side, that really is the macro stuff. That is the big, most important stuff. If I'm not leading there, as you said, that the qualifications of an elder, thinking through some of that stuff, that it's going to be very difficult for me to lead on the left-hand side and and do the minist- and do ministry work, you know, getting involved in people's life, listening for needs, meeting those needs, helping people grow in their relationship with Christ. Like I have got to work at, on myself. It's almost like I got to work on myself before I work on others, you know. And then I've got to, if I'm going to lead well, I've got to be able to do that in my home really well and and, and do that before I can do it in other places. I don't know. That's what I'm hearing you say. Yeah, I think I think to be intentional, you have to know what's at stake. Yeah. And what's at stake is lostness. You know, I mean, as Christians, we should know that better than anyone because we have the Word of God and we have an experience that has led us to come to the end of self and realize I'm not the solution for my greatest problem. Mm. Uh, I, I need Jesus. And um, when we can be honest about that, uh, when we can realize what's at stake, uh, I think it just has us in a humble posture. Yeah. And so we walk into rooms um, mm-hmm. with that. I think it was uh, James Farham, uh, if I have the name right, talked about the there you are attitude, not the here I am attitude. And yeah. One of the early episodes. And he, I thought that was really key. I mean, if we know what's at stake, we care deeply for others. Yeah. Because we know what really changed our life wasn't us. It was the Lord, and that's available to others. And we have good news that others would love to know. I think that's that's a big deal. I think so that intentionality starts with knowing what's at stake. Hmm. Uh, it builds through just having the biblical worldview. You know, Paul doesn't talk about any of this in chapter one. He talks about who God is. He talks about who Jesus is. He talks about the word of God, the story of Jesus. Mm. The salvation, the future, all these things. And then he comes in the home and says, because you know what's at stake, uh, all these things, your theology, what you know about God, what you know about the Word should be informing how you navigate the world that you're in. And so now do that with great purpose. Discipleship and missions, not one more thing to add to your list. It's a new posture and a new intentionality that you carry with you in the places you already go uh, around the people that you already see especially at home. I'm, I'm in a different phase of life than you in some ways. I have kids ranging from 26 to 7. There, there, there's a good story in there. <laughs> but I'm watching right now that some of my greatest impact in the world is in what I've imparted to my children, hmm. who now are having real jobs and real careers around real people in other states. My oldest daughter, for instance, lives in Utah where um, the majority of the people around her are lost and do not know Jesus. In fact, they've adopted what we would call a false religion of Mormonism. And, and so she's having to navigate daily what she knows about Jesus, what she knows about God's Word, and how that applies yeah. uh, in, a, in a world that's not just easy to navigate all the time. Yeah. And then when she does, people see it like, that's different. Why do you do that? Why do you do that? And now they're having conversations. So I'm watching uh, that my graphic designer daughter has the chance to be a missionary in a, in a Mormon population within the state of Utah. Mm. I'm watching my son, who's a rock and roll drummer and a, and a phenomenal musician. He goes into these bars and places and they play. They play Christian heavy metal music. And he's getting to talk to people that would never talk to somebody that looks like you or me. Mm. 
Mm. And um, and I'm like, man, have I given him what he needs to do that? So if I'm living it at home, my tendency is to think that's not enough. Yeah. But over time, I'm realizing what you're seeing. It's flipped. That macro micro is opposite of what we think. In the kingdom of God, if we're faithful with what we've been given, mm. God can do so much with it. And and what is more clearly given us than the people that are in our lives on a daily basis? Yeah. So good. Well, I mean, I, I think this has been great fodder and I'm, I love talking with you about this, Chad. You know, each episode we've been challenging our listeners. We've been challenging anyone that wants to be part of this to implement this in some way. And so some of the words that have stood out to me boil into biblical maturity. And so if you were going to challenge us today to rethink what biblical maturity looks like for the next seven days, what would be one or two things that you would say, Hey, think about this, reflect on this, challenge yourself to do this. I think one is just, you need to audit your life to see if your life is compartmentalized. Are there spiritual things and other things or, or are there, is it just your life for Christ? I think that's a big deal. Hmm. And so, I mean, it's as simple as starting with, do I make time for the Word of God? If I say it's important, do I show that it's important? Yeah. Uh, if the things I'm learning in the Word of God are important to me, are they evident in how I speak to others? Mm. Are they evident in how I consume food? Are they evident in how I consume media? Are they evident in how I spend my time? Those kind of things. Yeah. I think one of my mentors told me this one time. He said, there's no such thing as maturity absent of accountability. Hmm. No, no one matures without hearing some hard things. Hmm. And so I think maybe one of the things that needs to happen is, um, I take my, my example, for instance, I, I probably need to look at my wife and say, where do you see me growing? Hmm. And, and where do you see me most consistently miss it? Hmm. Um, uh, you know, if you would trust me with your private prayers for me, what do you wish I would let God do in my life? <sighs> That's good, Chad. Those kind of things. And just invite that that critique from someone you already trust and someone you already know loves you mm. and give them a minute because they probably haven't been asked that before. Yeah. Uh, maybe they even need to come back tomorrow and answer that question. But I think I think that's it. Your our life can't be compartmentalized between the things we do and the things we do for God. Mm. It's all it's all for God. And so I guess the last thing I would say is even before that person points out some things in you, I I would say one of the most important audits of a mature believer in Christ would be, does my life show a pattern of confession of sin? Mm. Am I aware of the things in me that are not honoring the Lord? Do I regularly turn those over to him? And so, you know, Psalm 139 is my favorite passage to help with that. Verse one in the last two verses, David says, Lord, you know me better than I know myself. Mm. So point out everything in me that offends you. Mm. Uh, lead me in your way everlasting. Mm. And so it's it's kind of David submitting himself to to the Lord. And maybe the most mature thing ever is to say, God, I, I think I'm dealing with the things I'm aware of. Would you show me the things I'm not even aware of? So I think give you that part of me, that part of me too. Yeah, um, I think I think it's really really a few things that could help. That's good. Well, we'll put some of that stuff together and, um, man, I think it'll be great to work through, man. That's, that's good stuff, man. Thanks so much for sharing again, just putting effort into making this a resource for us to be able to capitalize on. 
yeah, it's just been a fun thing, man. It's like it, I told you before we even started recording. It doesn't feel like one more thing. It just feels like we're doing something that we're learning together. We're getting yeah. to share what we're learning with other people. And man, like I'm over here writing notes as we talk about things that I need to ask my wife and things that I need to before the Lord. And yeah, because I, I desperately want to see my life moving toward Jesus, and I want to see the people who are closest to me being influenced by that and so i just think it's a desire that we should have and yeah hopefully this helps yeah well, it's helped me. I got notes too. I think it's helping others. We've been getting texts and we've been having people share with us that this series has been really helpful to them. And I just pray it continues to do that for everyone that gets to listen. So thanks again, man. I appreciate it. Well, as we finish today's episode, I want to thank you for joining us. Be sure to check out the Archivist stretch assignment that can help you or your tribe create some forward movement around the principles shared. You can access this resource by emailing me at hello at culturebus.cc or check out the show notes for more information. If you're new to the podcast, consider signing up to receive these tools in your inbox with each new episode. You can head on over to culturebus.cc forward slash podcast to sign up. All right, we'll see you next time on the Culture Bus Tools podcast.